0: Well, I'm up a bit earlier than I was expecting and earlier than what a speaker would usually be up, um, but I'm realising also that Easter is becoming a bit like Christmas. Uh, speaking to a few people, it seems like today is the day when families are going to be together like there's this massive lunch thing going on today and Nancy's got all the family over and grandkids and Maxine and Neville, you've got all the family coming over and we're all going to stewing in Kaz's today for lunch. Um, so maybe you get home a little bit earlier today to prepare all that stuff and get the get the chocolates uh, hidden in the garden. Although that's probably happened already. The Bible has two parts to it, I guess you would say. I mean, there's 66 books, but we we call it the Old Testament and the New Testament. The New Testament is 27 books. Uh, there's four gospels that talk about the life of, of Jesus Christ. Uh, 21 books that, letters, uh, that explain the meaning of Jesus in our lives and in our church. There's a book about the history of the early church and there's one book about prophecy, the book of Revelation. But all the 27 books fundamentally and their foundation is based on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If Jesus isn't raised from the dead, then it's all pointless. And the reading that we had today is uh, is Jesus' first interaction with his disciples after his resurrection. And the things I want to highlight today are, are three gifts. Gifts are usually Christmas things, but we, we do gifts at Easter as well. Three gifts that Jesus is, speaks to his disciples and gives his disciples, and, and today he gives them to us. He says these three things are uh, three gifts I give you, the gift of peace, the gift of power, And the gift of purpose. You see, the opposite of of peace is conflict. The opposite of power is weakness in in the context of of human strength and trying to do things in our own strength. And the opposite of purpose is aimless. To, To live life without purpose is to be aimless in the things that we're doing without any purpose at all. And I think many lives are are ruined because of weakness, because of aimlessness, because of conflict. And Jesus said he came to save, repair brokenness, build up ruins. And he does this by being our peace, by being our power, by being our purpose. So I want to look at these three gifts today, peace, Purpose and power. Two times Jesus said to the disciples, Peace be with you. And before anything is said about purpose and power, Jesus establishes peace. And that order is really important, I think, that Jesus is giving this foundational truth that before you can be empowered with to do action. Before you can uh live with purpose, you need to initiate peace. We don't work ourselves up to an acceptable place of being able to receive power, of, of living with purpose. But peace is needed, and this peace is a given as a gift, received by faith. The Apostle Paul says in Ephesians two, thirteen to 14, you were far away from God, but now in Christ Jesus, you are brought near to God through the death of Jesus. Because of Jesus Christ, you now have peace. And in Romans 5, we have been made right with God because of faith. We have peace with God through Jesus. We have been made right with God through the death of Jesus. While we were enemies of God, he reconciled us to himself through the death of Jesus. The the anger of God for our sin was poured out on Jesus Christ. And we are reconciled. It means that the punishment for our sin has been equally accounted for. Not half the price or three quarters, but the punishment for our sin has been equally accounted for. I won't go into the full story, but I was uh, I, I was having to face a a court a judge for some driving offences uh, a little time ago. Um, I, I'll tell you the full story maybe after church if you want to know the full story because <coughs> it wasn't my fault. <laughs> but at the end of the <coughs> that's enough, Matthew. But at the end of it, I, I, I went through this process and I was given, uh, the, the court had my name and I had a, 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 an offence next to my name and so they were chasing me, they were after me, you know, and so they don't give up. So I got sent a letter, I had to face the, online, you know, into the judge and speak with him and I had a lawyer and... At the end of it, I, there was a, an amount of money that I had to pay and it goes against my name. And if I don't pay that amount, they keep sending me letters. They've got an account. It's got Josh Davies and this amount of money. I paid the amount of money and uh, they tear it up and I didn't pay more, I didn't pay less. I paid the right amount and that account was paid for. If you like, we were. At, I was at peace with the court. No longer had anything against me. You see, to be reconciled is that punishment for our sin has been equally accounted for through Jesus. And it's so plainly stated there in those verses that through faith in Jesus we're brought into a relationship with God, which brings eternal peace with God we no longer face the consequence for our sin. The hostility, the conflict with God as his creation, who are separated from God because of sin, we are brought into that peace with him because the price for our sin has been paid for. That's why in verse 20, Jesus Shows them his hands and his side. I can offer you peace because I have paid the price. Hundreds of years before Jesus came, Isaiah 53 says he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed. For our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon Him. The punishment that brought us peace was on Him. By His wounds we are healed. Jesus offers us peace. Peace with God. This is a gift. And he comes to his disciples and says, peace. And if we don't have peace with God, we'll never experience his purpose. We'll never experience his power. So let's look at that, the purpose and the power. First of all, they're both found in verses 21-22 of John 20. And the purpose, Jesus says to them, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. When seeking your purpose in life or as a ministry or as a church, uh, it should be very much aligned with the Great Commission. I mean, there's lots of... Things we 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 to think about the purpose for this week or next week and or this year and next year and we can bring them down to finer details. But ultimately, God's purpose for us, and it was here for the disciples. He says, "I'm sending you. I'm sending you." And the great commission that He gives His disciples is, "Go. i as you go, make disciples." Baptizing them, teaching them, everything the I've to obey all my commandments. Six or seven years ago, we we changed here at Monty uh, our purpose statement of why we exist to the that we want to give everyone here at Monty and our wider community the opportunity to know and follow Jesus. The reason that we we have Kids Club is because of that statement. The reason we do Sunday mornings, the reason we do youth group or craft group or Easter Thursday services and young adults group and Christmas services, everything we do is founded on the fact that we want to give people the opportunity to know Jesus as their Saviour and follow him. It's the foundation of our priorities of being a blessing, being a place where people belong and can believe and become like Christ. Jesus didn't want to just bring peace into their lives, but he wanted to bring purpose. And so he says to them, I'm sending you. Go speak and live out the truth of the good news. Go love people, forgive people, accept people. This is the purpose, not just for the disciples, not just for individuals, but for the church. And so he gives this this, uh, this peace, and he gives this purpose to his disciples, who is which is our purpose for today. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Now it says Jesus breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. He didn't say, Receive it at this very moment. And I think we can say reasonably clearly that the Holy Spirit was coming on them at Pentecost. We read about that in Acts. The statement here wasn't so much about the here and now but about what is to come. In Acts 1, uh, Jesus says before he is ascended into heaven, he promises the Holy Spirit. He says you will receive power when it comes. The work of the Holy Spirit is to empower and enable us to do what we simply cannot do on our own. And that is our purpose, to tell others about Jesus. Jesus. To live lives that are like Christ. This power that is given to us as a gift is our only hope of accomplishing our purpose. It is God who empowers us to overcome selfishness. It is God who empowers us to be able to say, I forgive you. It is God who who empowers us to be able to say no. I'm not going there. I'm not doing that. I'm not saying this. All for his glory and honour. And I say that as we think about Acts 3, a really popular, well-known story. Peter and John, who meet the crippled man in Acts 3. And the crippled man wants silver, doesn't he? He wants money. He's got to live. He's a beggar. But they don't give him that. They... Heal him in the name of Jesus, they say, get up, walk, take your back. And the people are amazed. And Peter and John, what do they do? They say, yes, aren't we amazing? He was crippled and look at us. Oh, we are so good, powerful, we're strong. That's not what Peter and John said. These people were looking at Peter and John for that sort of response. No, they said, no, it's, when, it's not about us. It's not about us. It's about God. God is powerful. It's in Jesus' name. It's for his glory. 23 has been and probably still is a, a contentious verse. It had crossed my mind to maybe just, uh, shimmy on, you know, go on to the next thing. <clears throat> but I better not. Receive the Holy Spirit. That's the power. And Jesus says, if you forgive anyone who sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. While we are called to forgive, I think the context of this would seem to be around forgiveness of sins against God. So I don't think it's in the context of me forgiving when um, Luke cheats at Monopoly deal and I have to forgive him. I don't think it's in that context. So what does that mean? Does it mean that individuals are empowered to forgive sins? That's the way it's been taken by some. And there are organisations and churches and people over years who have taken that to empower individuals to say you must confess sin to me, I will forgive you. But that's not what I believe it means. I think the intent behind Jesus' words are when you tell people about what I've done, when you experience the peace that I give, when you live with the purpose that I give, when you go in the power that I give, and you are telling people about the work that I have done on the cross and in my resurrection, give forgiveness of sins and offer it as a gift. When you go and people hear those words out of your mouth and they confess, Jesus is their saviour. You can confidently, and I tell you, you and I can confidently say to them, your sins are forgiven. But sadly, for those who say, no, I don't need Jesus in my life, I'm fine the way I am, I'm happy with the way I'm headed, that's your choice. Sadly, we can confidently say your sins are not forgiven. There is still hostility between you and God. You haven't experienced the peace that Jesus offers. Happy to talk more about that if you disagree. Three gifts. Peace the gift of purpose and the gift of power that only comes through Jesus. I just want to finish by mentioning three ways in which Jesus interacted with his disciples. And I think these are three ways in which Jesus interacts with us. Yeah, because I don't think Jesus has changed. You notice that the Verse nineteen: When the disciples were together, the doors were locked. The doors were locked; they were fearing the Jews. I can understand that fear. Their leader had just been killed. Here's this handful of disciples, these followers. Their saviour, their their leader is dead. Well they're going to come after us next, surely. Jesus didn't knock. He didn't open the door. It just says Jesus came and stood among them. He wasn't a ghost. He was, appeared in a physical body. in spite of the closed locked doors. You know, today in your life, Jesus can go where no one else can go. No spouse or doctor or counsellor. There's no depth of trouble you can be in that Jesus can't reach you at. And meet you at. Anywhere, anytime. Verse 19 talks about them, like I said just before, that they were afraid. And like I said, I think that fear is totally understandable. When you think about some of the things that we get afraid from. Big spiders, they really... Get me... <laughs> when I was um, growing up in Greensboro, uh, my younger brother, who some of you will know, Tim, I hate spiders, but this guy, he hates mice more than anything in the world. We had mice. My dad didn't like cats. That was his big mistake growing up. That meant we had mice. We... Um, we had a mouse in the, ki- in the kitchen once and my brother was so paranoid he would um, shut his door at night and roll up towels and shove them under the door because the mouse might get underneath. <clears throat> but then he got really panicked because he was told that the mouse might already be in and can't get out. <laughs> That's a problem. You know, I'm sure you have felt, like I, uh, I have felt, fear. Um, not so much against mice and spiders, but fear of failure. Fear of rejection. Fear of falling away from the life God has called us to. Fear of, of, of being useless with my faith. Useless with my gifts. And I think it's in that fear that we have the greatest need of the risen living Jesus. Isaiah 41, God's promise is, I fear not. I am with you. I am your God. I will help you. They're not false words. That is the truth. Psalm 56, David says. Twice he says this, when I'm afraid, I trust God. He says it again, when I am afraid, I trust God. What can man do to me when my trust is in God? I can testify in my life that when I cry out for help in my weaknesses and fears, Jesus meets me where I'm at. He doesn't wait for me to climb out of a hole, tick off a few boxes, get to a certain place of spirituality and say, okay, now I'll come and I'll help you out. I'll guide you through this. I'll give you some wisdom. Jesus empowers me to overcome. Guides me through circumstances. Fear is stripped away when we trust Jesus. That's the message. That's been the message through the Bible, through all these characters, through all these stories, through all these lives. It's the message of my life. And it can be the message of your life. Fear of rejection tomorrow, It's uh, not tomorrow, it's school. it's school holidays, isn't it? Fear of rejection when you go back to school. What did you do in the holidays? Oh, I went to church. Oh. I'm not going to have many friends maybe if I keep saying that. Lord, I wake up today and I want to trust you, that I'm going to go to school and be strong and stand up for what I believe. Maybe it does mean rejection, but I trust you, God that you 've got something in store for me. Bring new people into my life that that 's the trust that wipes away fear fear of falling away from your faith that i 'm useless i don 't have the strength i don 't have the energy to do anything for God. I work, I do this, I do that i 've got family i 've got I just, uh, I can't read my Bible, I can't pray. It's time to trust. Jesus, I trust you. This week, I need to change. And I don't know how to be used. I don't know what to do. I don't want to be useless. I trust you to lead me, strengthen me. Guide me. When we trust Jesus, fear can be stripped away. Lastly, I just want to mention, he stands in their midst. I think that's, I just read that and thought that's just so appropriate. But Jesus isn't distant. Jesus isn't on the outside of the house saying, hey, Get rid of that fear. Unlock the doors. Finish off what you're doing. I'll, I'll be waiting for you. You come over to me, okay? When you're ready. I think sometimes we think like that in life, that we're not ready to... We're not good enough to be a follower of Jesus yet. I'm not good enough to be used by God. But here Jesus comes right into the middle of their meeting. He wasn't playing any games with them, not mucking around. He came right into the middle and he wanted them to see him as he is. Here I am. I died for you. He wanted them to know him, to believe in him and to follow him. And what Jesus wanted for these disciples 2,000 years ago is exactly what he wants of you today. He wants you to know him, to follow him, to love him. And that is all done by him coming into your life with the gifts of peace, of purpose and power. Father God, we do thank you that we we have a way through Jesus to be made right with you, to have the hostility and all that anger for sin that you have taken away. Uh, what a privilege to to be in this place and to call you our Father and to live with the purpose and power that you have given. May it be true in our lives today as we leave this place and uh, may your truth uh, really... Pierce our hearts and uh, and challenge us. We we ask in the Saviour's name, Amen.